On Monday, June 27, 2011, SDC's Gretchen Michaelfeld talked with veteran scenic designers Rachel Hawk and Nick Francone about their experiences collaborating with a variety of directors. Hello, I'm SDC director Walter Bobby, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the American Theatre Wing. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Gretchen Michael Feld. I'm the Associate Director of Member Services at the SDC. I am very pleased to welcome uh, Rachel Hauck and Nick Francone, two consummate scenic designers. Uh, and I'm going to just start the ball rolling, and then, like I said, I'll open it up a little bit later. I guess the first thing, you know, everybody kind of wants to know is your career trajectories. Did you always want to be set designers? Did you start off doing something else? What, what, what drew you to this profession, and how did you kind of make your way through it to where you are now? Really? Sure. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think like a lot of people, I did a lot of theater in high school and did a lot of, um, you know, acting and a little directing and and building a lot of sets and hanging a lot of lights and that kind of thing. And I think probably more than anything, I was excited about the prospect of working on scenery and lighting because I, I come from a sort of deeply blue-collar background and it felt like doing real work, and that was a nice feeling, you know. So I, I think, um, you know, I went to school and had a, got a Bachelor of Arts and learned a lot of things about history and all that kind of business, but in the background was always sort of making doing scenery and, and and you know I'd rather be sweeping the floor than doing vocal warm ups and you know you kind of find your way um, to being a part of it while you uh, while you find something you love and then once I discovered that was what I wanted to do I went to graduate school and learned how to do it for real and and then sort of that's been my my trajectory ever since so I mean I kind of found myself in it then decided I wanted to do it then found out how then so graduate school was kind of your your path to yeah I mean like that I, I went to um, Gonzaga University which is in Spokane Washington it's a very sweet school I loved it we could do anything we wanted to the theater building which was fantastic <laughs> um, there was a firing range upstairs for the ROTC I mean really nobody cared it was great uh, but I got to the end there and I had designed a bunch of shows and had a bunch of pictures of things and I really didn't know how to draft and I didn't really know how to build models and I didn't really know how to communicate to anyone other than the people that I'd been working with, so I went away to learn how to do that, really. So the, I, I had ideas, I just didn't know what to do. <laughs> so I went and learned how. Right. Uh, and then through that, found my way here. So, in the usual way. Found your way to New York. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In the usual way. You, know, you work for free for people, and like, yeah, in the usual are. way, yeah. Sure, yeah. sure, free. Yeah. sure. Um, I, my route's a little bit different. I went, uh, I saw a lot of theater when I was growing up, but I never really thought I wanted to do scenery. A friend of mine who wanted to be an actor in high school, you know, you can't be an actor and get cast unless you build scenery for a while, and she didn't want to go by herself, so she said, will you go with me? So I went with her. I was a freshman. I took one look inside the model box, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to design scenery. I never wanted to do anything else, Um, and I sort of pursued it like a laser. I went, I was in LA. Um, I went to UCLA. I got an undergraduate, you know, liberal arts degree, which I value so much. Um, my father's insistence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, I got out of um, I got out of 
school, and, and I was just a dreadful student. So I didn't go to graduate school. Nobody taught me how to draft, and I made a terrible mess of it. It was a <laughs> terrible idea. <laughs> um, I didn't know much like you. I had a lot of big ideas, and I just sort of stumbled my way around it for an awfully long time. Yeah. I went into television for three years. I got an internship in, with the Television Academy, which was fantastic introduction to television. And after three years, I realized that I just missed theater too much, and so I walked away from television, which is a crying shame. Um, <laughs> And uh, and started working. I started working in L.A. with two really opposite groups. Uh, one is the Actors Gang, which is a really no holds barred, no rules, really exciting company. And, and at the same time, a guy that I had gone to college with had started working at the Taper, and they were they had at the time this incredible program called the New Works Festival, where they were working ten on scripts and doing staged readings in ten days, and they wanted to suggest the scenery is what they would call it and so they would give you you know like five hundred dollars in four days and you would suggest do sort of minimalist sets around these staged readings and sort of these equal and opposite completely opposite experiences of no rules you can knock down the wall if you can talk somebody into it at the actors gang and the very very you know much more uh, uh, structured you know with the highest um, level of directors and actors and extraordinary writers at the taper and I didn't know how to do any of that stuff and made it you know so that's sort of those two things are the ways that I uh, the mix that sort of landed me where I am, and I forever regret not not training and not learning, you know, the art yeah. history and the architectural history, um, and how to draft and how to communicate all that stuff. It was a long art to sort of te- teach myself those things, um, and you know, and at the same time, I think I found a sort of interesting route because nobody taught me how to do it. So there's sort of pros and cons to both those things. So interesting compliment. Yeah, totally. Route. A lot of uh, directors uh, have, a lot of our members have asked me to ask this of you. Um, what kind of images and source material do you like to get from a director when you're first starting meetings? Do you like, you know, videos? Do you like pictures from the picture collection? Do you like, you know, uh, songs? Or I mean, what a, what kinds of stuff inspires you or, or helps you realize what a director or a playwright wants. You know, um, whatever it is that's inspiring them. I mean, I feel like there's a line, if there's imagery or there's film or there's something that's inspiring their relationship to the play, I want to see it. If there's something that's shaping their visual world, I want to see it. But at the same time, if they don't know what that is, if there isn't something that they walk, you know, they're like, oh, this feels like the play to me, then I don't feel like I need them to provide that. That's my job. Do you know what I mean? I'd rather have them be able to talk about the play and what's interesting about the, the play and what is motivating them than I need them to, you know, if it's not something that they have already found, it's not something I need them to provide before the meeting. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have to echo what you said. I think, I think really my feeling is always you read the play and there are ten interesting ideas in it if it's a good play. Hopefully there are you know, at least ten interesting ideas. And my question is always, like, which... What, what are you interested in? I mean, obviously there are a, a number of, of interesting ideas, and if the way you can answer that question is with a piece of visual research, that's fantastic. If it's a piece of music that that's, tells me what you are interested in the play, that's great. If it's a paragraph you write in an email that's like, it's all about Abby and how she, whatever, that that answers the question, too. So uh, as long as it's information that we can that helps the discussion move forward, it's great. Yeah, I mean, by the same token, a room full of images that 
that that you can't really point to any of them and say what's good about them is is not so helpful. Right. You know, one key, one piece of research that's like this. This is the play. You, that's the whole rest of the relationship right there. Um, Even know. if you can't say why. No. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. You know. Well, I do think a lot of young uh, emerging directors feel this pressure to come up with some brilliant you know, source material that's going to, you know, break open the play and inspire their designers. And it's nice to hear that that's not necessarily the way you feel. No. It's not a it's not a test they have to pass or something like that. No. It's more about communicating. So, I mean, it's actually very rare, very rare that the, that directors bring in uh, a, a imagery and say, I think the play feels like this. I actually just had a director do that, and she, uh, she brought in a, an entire book of things, and she said, there's something about this book. So we sat and looked at it together and tried to figure out what it was that she was responding to. But for the most part, you know, everybody starts having knowing the script, having read the script a couple of times, the director more than that, and then, you know, you sit down with a cup of coffee and just talk. Just yeah. talk. Because they're, as you say so well, I mean, there's so many different ways that you can, you know, uh, point a play. It could, it, could, it could really move in so many different directions that I would never, I would on the other, you know, on the other side of the coin is I would never walk into that meeting saying, I think the play looks like this. Do you know what I mean? I don't, I don't want to presume anything until we've spoken about what's interesting to you about the play. Yeah, I mean, I have to say by the same token, and maybe this is my, I, I often walk in and say, I think the play looks God, like this. Really? Yeah, although I, it's always after we've talked. But, oh, it, yeah. but it's not after we've necessarily traded any images whatsoever. I mean, often it's like we had 20 minutes on the phone and you said, you know, it's about this, it's about this, can we meet Thursday? And I'm like, yeah. And I often come in and say, how about this? And it can be wrong. Do it doesn't you, hurt my feelings, but it's... And do you bring in, like, a, a sketch, or are you bring in research, or what do you bring I in? I usually go straight to model, because it's how I sketch. Yeah. So, so it's, you're bringing, like, a model into that second meeting. Yeah. I mean, that, and, and, and I, I throw away a lot of models, Yeah. and I'm totally cool with that. But I, I like to sort of be like, this is what I think, and then and, and then we can work on it. You know what I mean? Wild. But it's it's a different... Yeah, I yeah, know. yeah. Um, Have everybody works really differently. tell you that felt... Intimidating or anything? That you uh, no. I'm not, I don't mean to judge. I'm just wondering if that's. No, I mean, I think uh, you. It's when you work with a director a lot that you know what what you need to do. I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess it depends on what kind of designer you are, what kind of director you are. I mean, I think everybody works in their own style. Um, I feel like people typically hire me, or at least hire me again, um, because I. What I'm primarily interested in is, is, is solving how the play is going to work more than I'm worried about exactly what it's going to look like. So I always feel like there's a lot of development that can happen on what it looks like. Um, but I feel like me helping to answer the question of how it can work is a, is a great way to start the conversation. So it's it's about that, I guess. And you mean in terms of ground plan and mechanics and yeah. traffic patterns and stuff like yeah. that? Yeah, and how, how we can do it in this room we've been given or the, you know, the crazy theater that we're working in. No, I, as I feel like that's so my job that I feel like then we can have a really meaningful conversation about it. But Interesting. It's yeah. Cool. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So, so given those jumping off points, how do you, uh, you know, just for yourself, how do you like to get notes from a director? What is what what makes you feel supported yet, you know, criticized in a way that helps realize the play? Gosh, it's always a dialogue. It's yeah. always a dialogue. And, I mean, there's always... It's a very... Um, 
It's a conversation. I never think of it as anything. I never think of it as getting notes. That's so funny. I was like, oh gosh, that doesn't yeah. even feel. No, like I don't that. want notes. Yeah, <laughs> but it happens. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of young directors are are or emerging directors have expressed anxiety to me about saying the wrong thing, offending yeah. artists. I mean, I do think a lot of times this happens between actors and directors. It's kind of a common dynamic. Um, is that so? That's not. So much a dynamic. I feel like that was truer when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I think that it takes a long time to learn how to be egoless in a particular kind of way, in a sort of you know realizing that if something isn't working about the design, it's not about me. Do you know what I mean? It's not a personal criticism. And I find you know I, I teach some. I find that's something that I constantly have to emphasize to my students is that you know it, it, it's it's um it's about the best idea in the room. Always, it's about the best idea in the room, and there shouldn't be uh, an apology from a director for ha- for seeing something different or for wanting to see something different, and there shouldn't be a con- you know um, uh, an anxiety from a designer about hearing that. But that's t- you know that is not to say that that's something you're born knowing how to do. It takes a while to learn how to hear that, and it takes a while to learn how to talk like that. You know, I always feel like if I'm doing it right, when we get to opening night, like. The director and I are seeking each other out to tell each other how much we love each other, you know? And, and it's in a sort of weird, in a, in a friend way, because I feel like you just talk all the time. I mean, when you're doing it right, you talk all the time. You start talking, and you just never really stop until until you're you're done. And it's... So when, when somebody comes in and is like, oh, I have a new idea today, it's not like, I haven't heard from you in two weeks, and now you want to change everything. Right. It's not that at all. Yeah. It's like it's like we talked about this yesterday, and I knew you had some new thoughts. I'm delighted to hear them yeah. now, you know? I mean, I think you just talk all the time. Because it starts off... You you know, there's the, there's um, you know the director when the director uh, starts to work on a play, they're either pitching a play or they've been offered a play, um, and when they uh, are pitching a play, they're talking about the big ideas about the play to the producer, to the artistic director, whoever it is, right? Yeah. And so they're talking in a big way, and the first time that they have to really figure out what that actually means is with the set designer. The set design is due first, yeah. always, because it's the most expensive thing. It takes the longest to build. In an ideal world, you get all your designers together. But, you know, it, so that relationship where you're like, well, but what do you mean it's about World War II? Why? What does that mean? You know, that really starting to hash out how does it work? How does it move? What does it mean? All those conversations happen with the designer, right? And so at, by the time you've designed and tossed ten versions before you right. find the one that makes sense, and they're always, you know, it's like I also work through model. And, the, and I'm very careful to make sure everybody knows that those, you know, those models are working tools. They're yeah, not yeah. precious. They're working yeah. tools, right? And so they're about communicating. Um, and, you know, they take a long time to make whatever. They're not, if it's not right, it's not right. Um, and so, you you know, I'd rather remake it when it's this big. <laughs> right? A thousand percent. Right? Yeah. So you yeah. figure out what it's going to look like, and then you put it away, and then, you know, they're actually they're actually going to be partway through construction by the time you know in a, in a regional theater or you know someplace like that by the time first rehearsal starts. So you come back to first rehearsal and you hear the actors' voices and it's it's late, right? Like the set's underway, but then you go away. There's another couple of weeks of rehearsal and the set designer or the design team comes back and they're the people who remember what you were talking about in the beginning, right? So they're your ally in that yeah. way. They're your total total partner. 
because, as you say, yeah. you talk all the time. You're so sort yeah. of, you know, inside each other's minds by the time you've yeah. arrived at the and, and they're your buddy to help you remember what you cared about a long time ago, like before this actor started whining about how they didn't want to wear a helmet. And, like, <laughs> they're, the, they're the person who can come back. You know, we try to be the people who can go back in the room and be like, boy, you know, you had such a strong idea. And, and I feel like I feel like I love what's happening in the first half. And in the second half, I wonder if it's still there. And I feel like the directors that you work with, they love, they love that. You know, I mean, and that's the dialogue. It's it, you help each other do your job. Ideally, it's it's, it's yeah. not combative. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely I, an ally. But that's I will say, I mean, I do a lot of lighting design as well, and I feel like lighting designers get notes. So I mean, I feel like I, I know totally. I know the distinction you're talking about. And when I'm the set designer, it's not. That's not I mean, the it's, way it works. Well, it's not, once you're in previews, we all get notes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Once we're yeah. in previews, we all get yeah. notes. But like yeah. when like I can't look at that one more second. You know, yeah. <laughs> like that corner just of that thing, please. Yeah. Just make it better. Yeah. Sometimes that's enough. Yeah. Yeah. But it's definitely like as you're developing the design, which is what I thought you were asking about. That's an all complete dialogue, and then yeah. once the set's sitting there, those are notes. Yeah, and it's, you know yeah. that thing doesn't work. Fine, yeah, it, you know. Yeah. So this is a, a question that was very popular with our stage management DCN. What is the smartest thing you've ever heard a director say, and what is the dumbest thing you've ever heard a director say? <laughs> Gosh. That's a hard one. It's That's a hard a one. I, I, I thought it was hard when I read it on the thing, I have no, to I say. It. I was like, I'll think of something when I get it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going for witty. Uh, no, um... Uh, it doesn't have to be what they no. said, maybe what they did or a choice they made. You know, the hardest thing a director can do to you is not communicate. So uh, it, it's it's rarely that somebody says something that, that is that is dumb. It's that It's that you feel like... Maybe they know the answer and they, they're not telling you for some reason. Or, or, or you know, they, they sort of look at you for a long time and then just sort of drop their hands and are like, I don't know. You know, that, that's the hardest thing in a meeting, I feel like, is when, is when the communication stops. So I think, I think as long as you keep talking, you're, you're going in the right direction. But when, but when it stops, that's the, that's the most frustrating thing is when you feel like you've just had an hour-long meeting and really nothing got said. And it's like, I'd, I'd rather you came into the meeting and said, we have this meeting, I see what you're doing, but really I'm thinking about my kid, and, you know, he fell down yesterday. And, and like, just, what's going on? Because maybe at the end we get to what's, to the play. But, but don't, you know, if you try to force it and, and you're not really communicating, that can be a wasted hour, really, yeah. I would say. Can I, um, can I change it to be helpful, not helpful? Absolutely. I was supposed to smart and dumb, because I can't think of, I honestly, I'm like, I, I don't know. But, uh... Not helpful to me are the. Uh, this hasn't happened in a long time, but if the director walks in, it used to happen um, when I was starting. A director walk in and say, "You know, it's going to be really easy because everybody thinks the set design is really hard, right? <laughs> like they don't want to impose on you, right? right. <laughs> so they're going to be like, it's super easy. I just need a bench. Will you please, 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 please do my set? And it's sort of like, if you just need a bench, <coughs> what you need is a props person. You don't need me. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. You don't need me. You yeah. know. And what's helpful is even if it's totally abstract, is to speak poetically about what's important about the play. I'll figure out what it means, right? But, like, it should feel romantic. It should feel lush. It should feel rich. It should feel hard. It should feel, you know what I mean? And, you know, let me start to sort of understand what's important to you about the landscape of that play and how it should feel and how it should move. That's incredibly helpful. And I I don't know how I'm going to make the magic boo thing happen, but I'll make it happen. Let's figure out what's, you know... But but don't try to make it easy for me. That's not interesting to me. You know, that's like, you know, that's 
poetry is interesting. Yeah. And, and frankly, frankly, those are the jobs. I, mean, the, I, I think any set designer who's working has a, an inability to say no to people when they call because they're so excited that you want them to do something. Um, uh, but when somebody calls and says, don't worry about it, it's I, I need a bed and a shopping cart. Those are the things that I'm able to say no to because it's like, actually, that sounds... Dreadful, you know what I mean. But but somebody who's like, I have very little money. I have an awesome space. I have a great play, but I don't know if you're interested. I'm like, it's pretty hard to say no to that. Yeah, you know, I need a bed and a shopping cart. I'm like, but you should find one (laughs) as best as you can. (laughs) You know, I know it's true. So this is going to be easy. Might be the dumbest. Just to put it in. Actually, actually, quantifying it down to a a shopping list. You know, yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. The, the, it's, yeah, it's, or just you know, yeah, just sort of, a, yeah, that's right, I guess. It's yeah. Assuming, uh, assume that I want to do it. Assume right. that I'm I'm there because I like you like to tell stories. It's right. just that my job is this part of it, but what I do interweaves with what you do and what the costume designer does and what the lighting designer does. It's all together. So don't you know, don't worry about it if it's hard. If it's hard, I wouldn't never have stuck around for this long because it's yeah. really hard. But whatever. <laughs> Yeah, right. Everybody's jobs are hard, yeah. you know. So right. yeah. you don't do it because it's easy. No, right. yeah, it's not what's interesting about it. Um, a lot of people have been uh, wondering about the collaboration in a musical versus a straight play. Uh, what kind of um, input does the choreographer have in the, in a design? What's your relationship like with a choreographer on a musical? It, do you go ahead? Um, it's uh, it's it depends on the director's relationship with the choreographer. Honestly, and how um, I, I prefer to get the the choreographer and the conductor in the room, or the music director in the room, as soon as possible, because those are things you know. The choreographer, you know, you know, as soon as you as soon as you figure out what the big world is, you need the choreographer to help you figure out what how it is really going to move through that world. Do you know what I mean? And um, essential. I mean, you can't you can't do anything without the choreographer. Is my uh, is my vote? You have you have to have them in there to, to help figure out. The moment to moment to moment. I mean, musicals, depending on what level, what size, what scale, whether or not it's new, um, you know, it, uh, they require an extraordinary amount of planning. And you have to be much more careful with, there tend to be a lot more pieces. You have to be a lot more careful with how you're going to move. You have to be very, very careful about how you get from scene to scene to scene to scene. You really have to work it out in advance. Um, and you absolutely want the choreographer in the room because, you know, the, the sooner you include the choreographer, the more you win because then I can give you something to use. I can make it so you can dance on that if you want to dance on it. If you see an opportunity that I didn't, oh, my God, great. You know, and if you if you present a world that's like this and the choreographer says, oh, my God, what if I came through the windows? And you're like, oh, you know, great. I want to know it, you know. So... For me, the sooner the better. Yeah. But there's a there is a, there is also a moment where it's like I need to figure out. It depend again. It completely depends on the relationship between the director and the choreographer. But for the most part, it's helpful to to figure out the sort of larger um, landscape without too many voices in the room. So that can mean a lot of different things. You know, it depends on everybody's relationships with everybody else. Yeah, I think I think that's totally right. I mean, I I always kind of leave it to the director as to when they're going to bring that person in um, and I only really throw up a red flag when I feel like it's getting late um, but some directors like to come in and work out the the visual language of the piece and then bring the choreographer in when you're ready to talk specifics when it's you know there's still time to move things around when there's still time nothing's been built nothing's really been drawn but like the big idea is is sitting there you know in the model box um, 
other directors, it's that's their buddy, and they, they bring their choreographer everywhere, and then they they're thinking as a team, and that's fantastic too. So I, it's not it's not a relationship I try to get in the middle of. I just sort of assume that the director knows you know the person that they're they're working with well because some choreographers are brilliant visual artists and 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 have the ability to talk on that language, and some are much more uh, body oriented, I would say, and and have the ability to to work it out if you give if you tape it out in a room but not necessarily look at a model and understand what they're looking at and that you know so I think I always I always put it on the director to tell me when this person is going to be most valuable in our collaboration uh, but I feel very shut out if they never come because then it, then you get notes yeah uh, then you get notes because the yeah. choreographer always has demands on the scenery that you haven't provided for if they haven't been part of the conversation so it's a very uh, I worked on a project once where the choreographer had to step away from the project the day before the first rehearsal and they brought in somebody uh, they literally flew them in in time for the first rehearsal and it was a massive redesign because the way that he wanted to use the space and what his ideas were and how he wanted to use the props had I had to respond to him it's like not responding to you know the director or to an actor, you have to respond to them. You know, and, um, it, it was a major rework. It was a major, major thing yeah. to change that light in the game. So it's it's pivotal. Yeah, it's really pivotal. And, and the music director, you brought up, you, you like having the musical director. I like to have the musical director in um, uh, not every meeting, but before you get too far, because there is always something you don't see coming about yeah. where you know uh, where the sound monitors have to go. There's no way I can you know well we're going to orchestrate it this way, and I cannot fit the orchestra in that much space, yeah. and I can't get the if you put me here, you know this stuff gets easier the more of it you do right but like trying to anticipate you often when you're doing a musical you have to put the band someplace completely crazy yeah someplace insane it's crazy (laughs) I'm doing one right now and I have to split the band between two levels which I've never done before and I'm like where where are you how do I what do I you know where do yeah and uh, it's it's nervous making you know so you you definitely I I always want that guy in and then this you know particularly it's a big tricky musical and a big tricky theater and I just I I need to know sooner rather than later if I'm going to have to rethink parts of it Mm -hmm. which I am (laughs) Yes. <laughs> the, other th- the, the other thing I'll say about choreographers, just because I, I know that it's not a, it, it, a lot of questions from a choreography standpoint, I, l- I love choreographers because I think they're physical in a way that I'm not physical, but I'm physical in a way that they're not physical. And sometimes that's a really exciting collaboration. So I, I know a lot about stuff and what we can make the stuff do. And they know a lot about their bodies and what they can make their bodies do. And often together you come up with really exciting things and apart you come up with kind of lame things so I, I think I think that's always a really fun person to have in the room and it's I'm always excited about it so just put that out there cool very cool yep. um what a lot of um a lot of people have been wondering you know how to meet new designers I mean that's that's the question I've got the most how do I meet new designers I mean there's the clam bake, right? The famous clam bake. But if you're not part of that, what what's the best way for emerging directors and choreographers to meet designers? I mean, I don't I don't really know that there's a method. I mean, I think designers sit around at home asking themselves the same questions about directors and choreographers and playwrights, and, you know, that same thing. So, I, I I think I can tell you how I get. Found, I guess, which is which is mostly from the strangest tangential relationships coming out of shows, and I guess 
most of the people I've worked with once sort of out of the blue and then worked with a lot after that are people who had a friend who worked with a, who worked with me and we had a good experience and their friend is also a director and I got passed on to that other person because you're already looking at people who like each other and one of them likes you and the chances are the other leg of the triangle is going to work out too. Um, so I find that that's a really successful way to meet new people. I find, you know, I mean, there are websites, there's all that kind of thing, but I think for the most part, I've had the most successful collaborations with people who like people I like. I mean, maybe that sounds obvious, but it's, it, that, that's the way I've, that, that the relationships have been the most successful, I guess. Um, you know, a producer who loved you and then is doing another show with a new director and calls you in to meet with them. That That's a way that it works out. Um, you know, also calling designers who, um, who you know who aren't available and saying, but who do you like uh, is, is another good way because generally no set designer is going to recommend somebody they think sucks. I mean, that is just true because we're all very protective. <laughs> so we're, ne- we're never going to send a director that we like somebody who is going to do a bad job for you. Like if it all, po- we'll tell you, we don't know any other set designers before we do that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I would say what I always tell young designers, because um, I always hear the other side of this question all the time. Um, and I say, you know, go find, go see a lot of plays and find the companies and the artists who are doing work that you like and pursue them. And, you know, particularly easier for a set designer to start to get in the door, a very young one, you know, uh, uh, just working in a room with a lot of people they like and starting to figure out who they like. And those relationships just happen in that way. But, um, you know, for, for designers who have trained, um, you know, theater design in New York is one of the last places that I know of that has a real, for real, professional apprenticeship situation. Yeah, absolutely. So my assistants are real killer designers. They're just young, right? So they're getting their feet on the ground, um, and they are sort of, they're in my studio working with me, you know, paying their rent, but they're also watching how I solve the problem, what happens when I have a bad day, how do I handle it, what happens when I have a good day, how do I handle it? You know, they're listening to one half of all the conversations I'm having with you, you know, so it's like that. So people's assistants, my assistants, you know, are, are start to notice in the back of those programs who's, if you see a design that you love, on stage, on Broadway, on wherever, start to flip to that last page and see who the assistants and the associates are, and you will start to find that the you will there's consistent you know consistent names that start to come up and say oh that guy works with you and you and you must be interesting and you must be gifted or those designers wouldn't have you in their studios and so that is one way to start to seek people out. And it's not, you know, it's not going to be without work. And then you Google them, and then you find their websites, which they every, I promise you, every one of them has one. And you can start to see what their work looks like. So that's a way. That's yeah. a great, that's yeah. a great and, and I will say, honestly, to, to add on to that, that um, seeing other companies' work is, is fantastic. I mean, look at the level of work that you're doing uh, or interested in doing. Go see plays that are at the same level so you don't feel like you're shopping up or down. I mean, people always have kind of a weird, like, is that person too good for me? Like, whatever. Go see plays that are in the same arena or in the same theater that you're going to do your show and, and look at who designed it. And do you love the set? Do you love the lights? I mean, then, then that might be a good person to talk to. And if that person designed in that theater this week, they'll probably be very excited to design in it again in six months. I mean, truthfully. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and how, you know, how involved do you like to be throughout the process? You know, you have this 
first meeting, let's say it goes great, you start bringing in models, you know, you then rehearsals start and you're, you know, you're back and forth, I'm assuming, between rehearsals and, I mean, do you just go to the first designer run-through? Do you, do you walk into rehearsals? Would, and does it depend on the director again? It depends on which city the rehearsals are in, <laughs> frankly. I mean, you know, if um, if it's in New York, I'm in rehearsals all the time because I love it. I love to be there, um, and I love to – I check in quite a lot. I listen to an hour of this. I like to hear the actors' voices and sort of understand because then I'm a more, you know, more useful and more involved in the part of it that I love, which is the rehearsals and the technical part of it. You know, if it's in another state, that's expensive, and they only have a certain number of plane tickets, and you only get to go a couple of times. So, um, generally, uh, if you know you're working with an out-of-town designer, they will provide three plane tickets for that designer. So that's what you get. The first one is to see the theater for the first time, meet the staff, present the design. One of those things. One of those three. Um, the second one is first rehearsal, which is also the set in process and under construction. And the third one is for tech and previews and opening, and that's it. So you have to learn. It's something you learn, right? But it's, you learn how to stay involved with those productions through long distance. It's not the same as being in rehearsal and going, hey, but, you know, what, what's this or what about this? Or Yeah. I mean, I, I find it really depends on the director. I mean, some directors want me there a lot. Um, some directors want me there only when they want to show me something. Um, and I guess it's my relationship with those directors that typically, um, typically they want they want me to come because they want to show me something specific. There's a problem, or they they can't solve something. There's a they've staged a scene every way they can think of to stage it, and they hate it. Um, and it's not so much a set problem, but will you please come look at it? Because maybe we can talk about it. And, and it's, a, it's, a, it's that going back to that idea that you're you're my first buddy. Please come and and, and you know help me through this difficult part. Um, I don't go and hang out very much uh, unless the director wants me to. And I know the directors who want me to, and so I do for them. But uh, but for the most part, I find that I, I go to the first rehearsal, I show the model, um, and and then the directors I work with typically like to be left alone for a couple of weeks while they figure out what it is. And then the minute they put anything together, I, I like to go see it. So um, I find like that conversation is not only helpful, it's sometimes it's just helpful for me to be there. That they start talking about it to me, and then things happen that are good. So... Um, but I, I don't so much go and, yeah. and hang. But it's a different, you know, I don't know. If I'm the lighting designer or the lighting designer too, I see a lot more rehearsal. If I'm set designer only, I typically come one, come one half. Right. So I'm never, you should never be afraid to ask. <laughs> I'm always excited if somebody wants me to come, but I definitely don't. Because my problem is, especially in New York, especially doing Broadway or off-Broadway and off-off-Broadway stuff, you, you drop in on a rehearsal and it's like, uh, the fifth character working on six lines because everyone else is, you know, in a commercial that day, or you know, I mean, like, so you, it feels like when when the stage manager is like, no, really, everyone's going to be in the same room for four hours. It's like, oh, I'm, I'm there, I'm coming, you know. <laughs> Instead of two non consequential characters are going to be working on this short scene because that's who we can get today, you know, it's it's a little more frustrating. So, well, speaking of that, nice segue. Um, you d- design a lot of your own stuff, and you also assist on Broadway. Yes. A lot of our members are doing similar things you know they're 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 directing downtown and they're assisting on a broadway show um how do you balance that i mean how do you make your life work i mean a lot of people are trying to make that work for themselves um i mean i don't know if i could do it if i 
didn't, if I haven't been so lucky to work for such great people. Um, I, I mean, I've been very lucky to work for people I really respect who know infinitely more than I do. So as I've sort of grown as a designer, I still find um, that there's there's something else to learn. Uh, you know, I, I've been very lucky to work a lot with Eugene Lee. Um, I, there's not a there's not a project I work on with him that I don't go like. I, that is amazing. I, I did not know that. I didn't know that there could be a solution to that problem that's quite that outside the box. I mean, he's drawing from a, a much longer period of, of experience than I have. So it's very easy for me to go to work and, and work for those people. Um, also, I tend to work for designers who allow me a lot of creative leeway, which is fantastic. So I don't ever, I don't really feel like the worlds are so separate. Um, I'm not, I haven't been working for designers who are in their studio every day looking over my shoulder seeing what I'm drawing. I'm working for people who send me something drawn in Sharpie on a fax machine and it should be about this tall. I mean, unless you think something else. You know, I mean, that's that's been more my trajectory. So, so it's more of an inspiration than anything else than a well, train on your it's, it, Yeah, it's an inspiration. And, and it's exciting to get to solve problems at a very when there's a lot of resources behind it. I mean, it's it's shocking that on the same week, you know, I draw a line and a ground plan, and it's a piece of black drape that's going to cover a, you know, rack of amps, or a rack of dimmers, and it's $6,000. And it's like, that line, oh, $6,000. <laughs> you know, and then they go do a show, and it's like, the whole set budget is $9,000. And you're like... It, it could use some masking too, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's it, you know, it's a little strange to to go back and forth, but it's become such a regular part of my life that it's not so frustrating. And the people who do Broadway shows, the, the people who build them, the people who make soft goods, the people who do all of those things are also very friendly and like art also. And so they've been very helpful to my career in making things happen that maybe I couldn't have made happen other ways. So. Um, I don't know if that exactly answers your question. Well, I think that's, that's great advice for directors. You know, if you're going to do, if you are going to assist on on Broadway, try try to assist somebody that inspires you. Yeah, do, do like if you go see a play and you're like, I hate this play, don't assist that director. I mean, if you can help it, that's not that's probably not going to be inspiring to you. Now, if it pays the bills for six months, by all means, do it. But it's not your it's not going to be the thing that that feeds your creative soul. You know, um, and. Uh, I have I have turned down things with people that I didn't particularly want to go back into that battlefield with, um, but I'll you know if Eugene calls I don't care what I'm doing I'm doing it if I can do if I can find a way I mean you know um, and Eugene interestingly designs at all levels as well I mean he does Irish rap he does, he did a show in the B space at 59 he's 59 I mean that's ridiculous <laughs> but he does it because he loves it so I mean helping him do what he loves is uh, also good for him. So. Um, and uh, honestly, I've worked with assistant directors. I worked with assistant choreographers. I've done shows because of assistant lighting designers. I mean, you do find a whole community there who's all working at your same level, also. So uh, there's there's a way to meet great people. I have uh, it answers your other question. I have worked for assistant directors a few times who I've been in the room with. We've made decisions together on big shows, and then they go to do something or a reading or whatever, and you find your way on that next project with them too. So yeah. Um, so what's the biggest misconception about scenic designers that you think the... Oh, God. Is there a misconception? <laughs> <laughs> Do people think about us that much? What would you really like to tell people that you feel like they're not, that they don't know about you, about your profession, about your work, about... I don't know. I, I mean, I guess one one 
in terms of the job itself, one thing that people often don't realize, everybody's like, it's so fun what you do. It's really fun, 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 fun. Ask my mom. <laughs> yeah. It's an extraordinary amount of work to realize a design. It's it's a little bit ridiculous because you've, what, you know, the, the really great fun, fun part of it, you know, there are two, right? There's the part where it could be anything and you're figuring out what you actually are going to want to do. Then the part once you get the actors and you're in the room, like those parts are amazing. The part where you're doing the technical drawings, you're doing the paint elevations, you're figuring out how to communicate to the three departments that you work with, the carpenters, the painters, the props people, as well as the stage manager. It's an extraordinary amount of technical information that has to be produced before the thing can be built. And sometimes, I don't know, sometimes people forget about that part of it. I mean, just to sort of be aware of it, not... Not that I really need people to worry about it in any way. Call your house, ask if you're okay. But it's just, I mean, I would say that that's a misconception or a, like, you know, a thing that people don't often realize is how much, uh, how much, just strictly how much time and work it is to generate those things. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't really, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure there's a total misconception. I mean, I think... I think five years ago it would have been like I don't want to paint your house just because I'm painting the set. Like I mean, there, you know. But but now I think I think I I have gotten to a place where people, the people I'm working with, know what you're doing, know what the job is, know why you're valuable, and if you happen to get on a paintbrush at some point, it's because you care, not because like that's your fault. that's yeah. And and so I think I think I'm not I'm not positive that I don't know the answer. Well, but when you said my my mom thinks it's just oh yeah, she I thinks mean, it's I the most that, fun job in the world. Yeah. Like she can't believe I have the tremendous fortune. And, I mean, it's, yeah. you know, dude, it's cool. Right? Yeah, it's like, cool. It's yeah, cool. like well, beats the hell out of working in a factory. Yeah, yeah. diorama in fourth grade. Yeah, right, right. Diorama, you know, neat little thing. You know, I mean, but it's you know, it's an amazing job. We're so lucky to do what we do, and there's never a. I don't think there really is a point where you forget that because it's it's you know, and it's so extraordinary to work with the directors and the artists and the writers that I get to work with I can't you know I just yeah. can't believe it but it it's hard work it's amazing when somebody hands you a play about a world that you've just never considered in your whole life you're yeah. like wow you know what I don't know anything about this yeah. <laughs> so you're yeah. like alright let me you know I think maybe the reverse I mean I think I think something people could know about us I think we're all storytellers too and I think that's the most exciting collaborations is when everyone comes together and, and knows that we're all storytellers around the table and, and that and that so I mean I guess that makes sense there's a we're all doing one facet of it but we're actually all telling stories in our own little way you know so well um, we've just Nick and I have just been talking about his um, working on the papal visit Pope. Uh, several years ago <laughs> in Yankee Stadium everyone loves the Pope <laughs> papal visit yeah. um, I'm just wondering Rachel do you have any you know what's the wackiest thing you've ever worked on oh my god uh, well I can't I can't um, come close to the Pope I, I, I got close to the Pope <laughs> he actually sent me a picture of himself as the Pope they were you know uh, <laughs> like this <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> um, you know, I, some of that stuff that we did at the Actors Gang was just phenomenal. And, uh, and the way that those plays came together, you know, plays that start without a script... Place that started around an, uh, uh, an idea, incredibly labor intensive. I mean, that's like you know when you're designing for a company and you are part of that company, so you know you're like, oh my god, Kate will do that. She's fearless. I could you know put her in this crazy thing, and um, and you know we we yeah we worked on some extraordinary projects there. That um, we worked on a play 
that was called Dreamplay, not the Dreamplay, another Dreamplay. Um, but it, it was about this, uh, it came out of my, the director, Tracy Young, was very interested in studying um, uh, Young's theories of dreams. And so she wanted to compare him to his great mentor, Freud, and she started studying those things. And at the same time, there was this crazy, crazy, crazy story about a guy in Phoenix, a really mild-mannered, lovely, wound-tight fellow, who super violently murdered his wife in his sleep, stabbed her 13 times and drowned her in the pool. In his sleep? In his sleep, while he was sleeping. Never wake a sleepwalker. So this became the, the source of the play, and the play became this mix of three things, that, you know, Young's theories, um, this case, and uh, uh, the, the jury, the, the, the cast of characters wound up being 12 people who were sleepwalking, Jurors who were dreaming about the story, and the whole play was structured in the higher uh, cards of the uh, the higher arcana of the tarot. So, twenty-one scenes based on those twenty-one cards. <laughs> and every day we would start working on this project. We would start working. Everybody would have to come in and sit down. And if you'd had a dream, you had to ta- tell what the dream was. And this extraordinary actor named Dan Parker walked in. And he said, "I had a dream that we were all sleeping in the." this space and we were all just kind of floating everybody was just sleeping and floating and we all listened to him talk about this dream for a while and then everybody kind of turned to me and I said well could we do that <laughs> and so I sat there and I sat in the corner and I sketched the thing this thing but I said did it did it look like this and he said no and I sketched something else and I said did it look like this and he said kind of and so we wound up teaching the 12 actors how to repel. We brought in a structural engineer and we checked the ceiling and then we put in some catwalks. And in the opening images of the show, there was a slow, drippy water thing. We put them in light blue sleepwear and put black harnesses over their nightgowns. And in the dark, they repelled to various points in the air. And in the slow light and dripping water, they slept for three minutes. And that was the opening image to this play. And then they repelled and they went into a dance number because what else would you do? Um, <laughs> you're awake. <laughs> but this is sort of extraordinary, huge way of working of, you know, in starting months and months and months and probably actually more than a couple of years to work on this project. But there's a huge luxury of a space that we owned and we could work in and we could... But that that's one of the greatest experiences ever, that God, the, the moment... has got nothing on no, no, I don't know, man. Hope. I don't know. Hope is all about security clearance and, like, <laughs> you know, aisles. <laughs> how many people can you get down an aisle in case of a fire at Yankee Stadium? I can tell you all about it. And how many porta potties do they require? Good night. Uh, <laughs> well, I just have one more question before I open it up. Um, both of you, I know, um, have worked on it's funny because I just met Nick. My partner just did uh, was one of the directors on the new New Georgia's show, The Germ Project, which is basically four different germs of new plays. So it's four different directors. And Rachel did the Antigone Project, the Women's Project, which was five. Was it five? It was five. So what? I mean, so it's interesting. It's a very similar. I think it's oddly a very similar kind of conception. You know what? What? Uh, what is it like to design? a rep set for something like that and work with four or five different directors and hopefully a really good producer who brings it all together. <laughs> what are the inherent challenges in that? And I, I think a lot of people here probably do work on projects like that, you know, where there's a, where there's a rep set. You know, what what advice can you give directors who are, who are getting involved in something like that? 
it's hard, dude. It's yes. hard. It's That's hard to do. I mean, it's it's very you know it depends on the project. That Antigone project, I was very excited because we found a, a we found a, a unifying world for the five radically different plays. They were all um, five different uh, ten minute riffs, which of course none of them were ten minutes on um, Antigone, and. You know, the it, it's the the the, the directors um, had virtually nothing in common in their perspective and how they wanted to see things. And you know, so what I did was went and met with all of them, and some of them were very strong visually, and some of them were not very strong visually. And so the people who had super strong visual worlds really became the the grounding points of the design. And then we found a you know. Uh, for the ones where the visuals were less important, we found a vocabulary that worked within the ones where you know the, the visuals needed to define the play as the play was to be told in terms of how the director wanted to work. Do you know? Does that make sense? So it's not necessarily that the strong guy wins. It's just that the person who has a strong visual idea that can help to give the play a backbone. Well, let's take of those five, probably three had really graphic ideas. And so we moved through on those and then found a strong world within those to hold the others, you know, somewhat, sort of. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, the four, I mean, four directors, they were very, they're all very different. They're different in how they talk to you. They're different in their, yeah. their plays are very different. They're, di- you know, their relationships with their playwrights are all different. I mean, um, and, and so, I mean, in this process, I kind of took the visual lead and, like I do, apparently. Uh, <laughs> you know, plop, plop down a model, and we start talking from there. And 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 what I what I I did was come up with a kind of playground structure that that met everybody's needs. And then we and then I sort of you know what I call themed it so that it felt like all of the plays, but none of the plays in some way. You know, so that there was a a texture from each play that made sense. Um, that there was you know a graphic. That there was some. The da- I guess for me the creative danger of a thing like that is you make something that's nothing, right? I mean, in, in, in an effort to make sure you don't have any information on stage that's not the play you're doing, you sort of remove all information to the point where. Yeah. You're not really doing anything, and so I took the other approach and put something of each play into it, and and invested the most heavily in making sure that you know this room, um, in this case Studio B at 3LD, that 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 it, the set could do everything the plays needed it to do. So it became a very technical exercise of of you know can can that pull out? Can this chop up? Can this support that? Can this, you know, so that when we move this for this play, can they use it in this way? And and trying to... So I, I kind of did the opposite. I sat with all of them mm-hmm. and, and, and put it out there. And then I went and sat with each of them individually and we looked at what everyone had kind of agreed was a nice way to approach the plays and talked about, spe- okay, specifically what do you need to tell your story and how can we deliver those items and then, you know, chopping up the model until we, uh, oh, we could drag something out from under there. Okay, great. We could, you know, yeah. until, until it worked. Um, and then I kind of went off on my own and drafted that so that it made sense to some technical people and then we built it. Um, I don't know that there's a good way I, mean, um, I think that what you're, what I'm definitely, you know, that that thing of you find a world that is neutral enough that it can hold them all, and hopefully one that can be inverted enough, turned yeah. around, spun around on itself, however you want to do it, right. so that you can really, because the thing that, you know, the point of this evening was how different those five plays were, right? right. 
And what we weren't doing, you know, on the Women's Project stage or budget was radical scene changes, right? right? So we're going to do it with props one way or another. So then, you know, then it becomes a thing of like, well, how do you... How do you change the world in order to really strongly represent this play, make it possible for that director to work, but reshape? It'll, you know. Yeah. I guess my only advice, if you're directing one of those pieces in something like that, is is just be super clear with what you need, uh, because the the set designer in that case has so many conflicting um, voices in their head that you just want to be super clear, be be realistic with what you need, but then be very clear with what you need, and then you'll get it. I mean, nobody wants you to be unhappy. So, it, you know, I think I think if you can. Um, that, that, that is not the kind of project to bring sort of vague literary ideas to and then step back and think it's going to happen. It's not going to happen. You need a counter? All right, let's talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, like what, what do you need so that you can, so you can stage your play and then, and then you know, let the, let the sort of wash of an idea um, happen, happen another way, maybe. Um, That's from, a shopping cart. Yeah, right. You know. <laughs> well, yes. Right. Within this, right? what do you need? Dude, I absolutely yeah. cannot do this play it's, without. It's, okay, great. It's both. It's yeah. both. It's definitely, that's definitely true in a project like that. And always, always, always important are those big ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, never lose yeah. track of and that was And that was pretty much my process on that was, all right, let's talk about the big idea. And I don't want to hear about beds and shopping carts today. <laughs> and then tomorrow, when I meet with you, let's talk about your bed and shopping cart needs within this construct. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was... Um, and then I sat there with a props person, a big piece of foam core and a marker, and I wrote down which shit I was going to deal with and which shit she was going to deal with. And then I ripped it in half, and she went away. <laughs> you know, shopping cart, that's you. <laughs> Bed, I'm on it. <laughs> so yeah. good. Yeah. Uh, great. Does anyone have questions? Can we open it up? Yeah. You guys spoke a little bit about the, the constant communication. Is there a point from a director where communication becomes over-communication? Sometimes I'll leave a meeting with designers and I'll go debrief myself and I'll say, oh, I don't know how I didn't say this and I want to shoot an email and then I'll wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and say, that was the key to this conversation and I have to know that. Does there become what is too much and how soon is too much? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I've hit it. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there is a point where I would be, like, annoyed. But I honestly I haven't worked on a project in recent memory where that's happened. So it leads me to believe that it's a lot farther down the line than you think. Um, I think I think communicate. If you have ideas that you feel like they're important, they're important, whatever that means. Um, but I would say if you have an idea on the train home and an idea at 11 o'clock and an idea at 3 a.m., see what still sticks by 10 a.m. And then write the, and then write the email. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's that thing where your brain is churning yeah. and you're trying to sort it out. And there's definitely, like, there's a point in a meeting, to, you know, where it's like, <coughs> I, I uh, you know, we've talked through a lot of things and a lot of specific detail and a lot of general ideas. And then it's like, okay, now let me sit with that yeah. and let's see how it boils down. And but let I, me rework I think that's it. the key right there because I think something I didn't know 10 years ago that I know now is when to say, okay, 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 meeting over. Yeah. Now, now I need to go work on this and let, let's talk tomorrow. Let, or let me show you something on Thursday or let me... And I, So I think you'll get, you'll get told by the designer when they're like, okay, no, no, I need a process before we can... Before we can work, you know. is, it's it's definitely true that um, there's a there's a an intellectual part of it which is thinking through the story, the ramifications, the imagery, the metaphor, the you know the moment, the moment, the moment, the moment, right? Um, and then there's a part where you just have to you know it's a different like that part of your brain that talks about it is a different part that generates the 
than the part that generates the visual information. And so sometimes you just have to make space for one to sort of let the, you know, let the ideas come and then see what the visual response is. And that, that's something you just get better at monitoring when you're sort of like, okay, that's enough. The, you know, yeah. and there's... I mean, I've learned... I mean, and it's 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 a part that I've just shut off. But like, I don't describe scenery anymore. It's just it's a thing I don't do. So when a director's like, I mean, what do you think this could be? And they sort of stare at you. I mean, I, we can talk about how it could work, but I wanna I wanna talk I wanna talk with a model in front of us and say like, it could be this. It could be this. Let's cut something else off. It could be this, rather than be like, well, I mean, there could be a wall. And then because then I we're, I know we're both imagining different things, and and that. In my experience, sort of ends with unhappy people. Um, you come back and look at the ball the next week, and you're like, "Well, that's not, that's not it. We it's not what we talked about." And it's like, well, "It's what I was." Oh, right. So I, I try not to do that. So I mean, it's it's really get to the ideas and then let me work, and then let's look at it. And if it's not it, awesome. Let's do it again. You know, but uh, I'm, and go through that process until until we get it right. But there is a certain point where you're describing things that are hard objects that we could be imagining a hundred different ways. You know what I mean? It's true. I, I often, I always bring, when I'm bringing a working model, bring a little kit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the instant rework in the model kit. Yeah, <laughs> super glue and three super plastic bags. Super fast glue yeah. and like yeah. really brutal cutters that would be like, that wall should be smaller, snap, and people kind of freak out. Yeah. You know, it's all right. No, it's fine. Sm- better, not better, I can always put it back. We can always go back to what we had. We can always take that, th- we have this thing, if it's almost right, let's take it out and try the next thing. Because maybe the next thing's better, or maybe the next thing will teach us that that thing was right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So... But it's very, you know, you yeah, you get you. I I want to know if there is something that at 10 a.m. is still like this is where I am. I want to know it. Yeah. You know, totally. Yeah. 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 How have you found to have a successful conversation with choreographers when I've worked with a lot of choreographers? They see the set, yeah, and then all of a sudden they want to tap on this, and you know this has to bear so much weight. So how do you find to have a successful conversation where? You get what you want, and the choreographer gets what they want. Hopefully, we're all moving towards the same want. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I am, you know, totally aware of how things sound and how they. I'm very interested in like, should we make that thing creak? Which always sounds like a good idea until it doesn't sound creaky. Yeah. (laughs) Then the sound designer wants to make a different creak. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's like you know, the sooner I can know that you want to dance off that wall, the better. And 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 if I'm like. God, I think that that's a crushing idea for the play. Dancing off that wall is completely the wrong message. That's one. That's one thing. But if it's like you know, you definitely it's not it's not competitive. If that's yes. that's sort of what I hear you saying, and I'm not sure if that's what you meant. In a way, yeah, I've worked with choreographers that things change very last minute. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That they see the set, they get to work with the set, and all of a sudden, major dance. Weight-bearing things that weren't are now weight-bearing things. I mean, you don't last long in the business if you're not diplomatic. So, I mean, I guess my answer to that question is you find a compromise that works. I mean, the thing with scenery that's hard, I think, always, from a perspective of wanting everyone to have what they want, is that you do get to a point where the things are there and you have a limited sum of money to move forward and a limited crew, especially working downtown. Like, you've blown the whole budget and then some just to get into the building. And then the new idea, as much as everybody wants to make it happen, you have to find a way to do it simply. And sometimes making that into a tap service ain't going to happen. Um, and uh, and it's how you have that conversation, I guess. And, and how when you bring the producer in to have that conversation, if there's a way to do it simply that you're not thinking of. I mean, I, I, you, you try to 
make everybody as happy as you can. But at the same time, right? Like, I mean, limited budgets are their own thing, and diplomacy rules. Yeah. Period. But, um, you know, there are things like you get, the more you do this, the more you realize if that thing looks like it can hold weight, someone's going to want to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And if I haven't, you know, and so it's like as a director, early on, you'd be like, what can I walk in and what I cannot not walk on is important. And, you know, sometimes I just had this happen with my partner, who is a director, where we wanted to get these tables on stage really fast. And I said, okay, so we're going to use these tables because we like them because they're visual and they're light and they're, bu- you know, bu- 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 and you're not going to be able to stand on them or sit on them. And that's cool. That's cool. Right? Yeah. Super good communication. Right? <laughs> yeah. 15 years we've been together. She yeah. has those tables one day in rehearsal and she's like, I want to stand on those. And they wind up being huge parts of this fight. I mean, like, not only is she standing on them, uh, you know, so we had to rebuild them and we were lucky to be in a place where we could, but I took that hit because I was like, that was stupid. I mean, it's, you know, it's, of course, if there's any, if there's the, you know, the edge of a cat, the, the arm of a couch, which every prop master yeah. will tell you that you're never supposed to, you, nobody sits on the arm of a couch. On stage, you sit on the arm of the couch and I should see it coming, but you can help me see it coming, you know? Yeah. I mean, it depends. I, there are directors you work with over and over again. You, you understand them. I mean, I do all the vampire cowboy shows and everything we put on stage is going to get stabbed, like, <laughs> you know, and it's going to get blood on it. And like, at a certain point, you're just like, like you, you, it, my fault. Like my fault when I build something that can't get stabbed with a sword. Like, you know, I, <laughs> you know like, that was a, obviously that was retarded. <laughs> I, I, it was my tenth show. You know, come on. <laughs> never put like a staircase on stage that you're like, oh, no one will ever stand on. Come yeah, on, come on. Yeah. right? Come on. Someone's gonna want. You're gonna be there. You're gonna be in rehearsal. You'll be like, I've got it. It's, it's there. Inspiring column. Yeah, it's like beckoning. Yeah. Um. Is there a director that you would like to work with? Would like to work with again, and why? What did they do that made you want? Oh my God! There's so many thrilling yeah, yeah. directors. I couldn't. I don't. I don't know that I would even open the door. There are so many people. I'm so you know whose work I find thrilling and would be you know absolutely honored and delighted to work with because you get excited about their ideas. You see, I mean, it's the same thing that I was suggesting earlier. I see their work and I get excited about it. I get excited about their writers they're working with. Um, But it's, you know, I mean, I get excited by passionate directors and I get excited by directors who don't let me get away with stuff. You know what I mean? Who the, the, The tough ones who are like, that what 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 is that you know <laughs> like, yeah. you're like okay I feel some shame and I will fix it you know but there's all that that's what's exciting to me are the you know the, the big ideas I mean and when you you know when you get lucky and you get a room in a room with people who are just you know their brains are going and you, you why wouldn't you want to be around that more <laughs> yeah I mean to answer the other half of your question the ones I want to work with again are not always the ones where the process was easiest also. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know, sometimes it's, it's been the hardest show I've ever worked on. And yet there's, it's your, there's so much pride because what you came up with is truly great as opposed to fine. It was fine. It was great. It was good. I mean, it's fine. You know, <laughs> like the ones where you really, really pulled it together and, and made something beautiful because you, you, just kept pounding at it until it was good. Those are the ones where you get to the end of it and you're like, oh, when do we get to work together again? You know? It's um, so. true. Sometimes when you, you know, you see things so differently the first time you work with them, and those are sometimes the ones where you're like just hitting your head against it, trying to find the, the shared yeah. thing. And when you find the shared thing, you both have done something you've never done before. Yeah. And that's amazing when that happens, when somebody pushes you in a direction you've never been and you find something yeah. new about yourself, you know? That's great. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, I, I really enjoyed the discussion about plays versus musicals, and I, um, as I think 
uh, a lot of emerging directors work on new or original work. Maybe you could touch on the difference between how you approach working with the director on new plays versus revival. Oh, golly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I do a lot of new stuff, I guess. I mean, that's the sort of... I, I don't know. I guess I came to New York thinking I would do, like, you know, knock out all of the <coughs> Shakespeare's and then, you know, and that's just not... That's not my career, certainly, at all. So it seems like I, I, I have very rarely get a script that has the last 20 pages in it um, you know like I don't get scripts with like oh a character list oh interesting you know it's like it's like some PDF from the playwright that's like don't read this but read this you know and, and so I, I guess I'm so accustomed to that process that I find it very confusing actually when I'm dealing with somebody with something that's not malleable so I mean in, in my experience um, and I guess I guess I get because I do that work, and, and maybe it's the how you find your way into it, but I get very excited about talking to the playwright, and, and we often work things out together, and I, I'm, um, I, I like to be sort of amateur dramaturg on the side at the same time being the set designer, and so I find that process really exciting, to sit down and watch a run-through and be like, boy, I loved it until this part, but then I loved it again, you know? Um, and it's exciting to be able to change it. it. You know, when you go and do, like I did... Um, Fallen Angels at a summer theater recently, and it was great, but it was also like, that's what it is. I mean, you read it, and that's what it is, and so you get to a scene, you're like, well, it's kind of boring right here, right? And everyone's like, yep, and you keep working, you know, and it's like, so the challenge there is to is to fix what's done rather than craft a better story. It's like, how do we make the story that exists that is, you know, word for word what we're going to say on stage more exciting rather than how do we take something that's kind of a hot mess and make it into something great? So, I mean, it's a different... It's it, playwright in the room, playwright out of the room. To me, is is really the distinction. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Yeah, it's very. Uh, gosh, I mean, when they're you know when they're brand new and you know you know you have to de- if it, if the if the play is new, you have to design the play so that it can be rewritten because you never know at what point in the play it's gonna at what point in the process it's gonna be rewritten. And so I work very hard to say, if you realize in the second preview that you actually need to restructure the second act, I don't want you to not be able to do that because the set will not allow for it. Do you know right. what I mean? you know what I mean? Um, because that that's such a massive part of the process. Um, and you know there's there's a when there's when it's a new play, I lear, um, I, I, I call I call it the roll with it factor, which I think is extraordinary high and it can be high depending on the director or the playwright or the process or anything. but the roll with it factor, which is like there's gonna be change. there's gonna be, you know, I mean, and you just sort of like sometimes recently, I've had to take an enormously deep breath very late in the process and say, okay, we're gonna throw out all of the transitions. And three quarters of the set, quite literally, we're going to gut the set. We're going to because the vocabulary is not working, and so that that stuff happens on new plays much more than it happens on the big old ones. I do a lot of big old Shakespeare plays, but they don't feel old when we do them. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's amazing, you know. It's like, you know, the playwright is absolutely not in the room, and you can take some free. Right, yeah, yeah. right, and so you and and when you have some license in there, and you try and find out what's the, I mean, you know, these are things that never would have believed when I was in school. How exciting it is to do those big Shakespeare plays! I never, you never could have told me that. They are, it's uncanny how emotionally true they remain, and when you find that connection, it's unbelievable. And sometimes you can find it, and sometimes you can't, you know, but. Um, that is about particularly those big Shakespeare plays. You know, that, uh, 
for me, that is about really sort of settling in with that text and depending on who the director is, sometimes they walk in and they're like, I know this should take place on Mars and I know it and here's why and here's how it's going to mean and here's how it's going to work. And sometimes they walk in and they're like, I don't know, somebody gave me this job and so we're going to do this and what do we think? You know, right? I mean, I I think it's, uh, when you're doing... When you're doing work that's been produced before and produced and produced and produced, it's all about the director. It's all about the director. You yeah. know, because because they're both in that way. They're the director and the playwright. They're the one who's gonna decide that scene four goes where scene three used to go. And and that so that's it's you know, that one voice and I think with new work it's it's two voices because you've got You've got the playwright who can sit through an entire run through, the last run through in the rehearsal space before you move to tech, and be like you know, <laughs> and all of a sudden they get out of their computer and you're like, oh, here we go. <laughs> you know, so you you get that Monday day off and anything could happen yeah. when you come back. Totally. Yeah. totally. And I, I love it. I, I get energized by it's it. Thrilling, I get energized by right? it. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. thrilling yeah. to be in the room like, with playwrights. Nothing makes me more excited than when a playwright's like, ah, oh, I did something bad today. And I'm like, oh, tell me all about it. Like, let's do it. You know, let's make it happen. <laughs> but it's like, you know, that, it's yeah. that same thing where it's like, you know, just like realizing that your biggest idea of the giant white horse on stage is actually dreadful and I know it took so long to build it but we're going to cut it that across the board can happen you know and it can happen scenically it can happen you know and everybody it's that same thing everybody's working towards the whole on those things so it's like don't be afraid of that you know And, and it takes I'm telling you it takes years as a designer to learn how to hear that in a way and to be able to go oh yeah that doesn't work this giant thing that we just made yeah. And gold leafed and then shined up doesn't work. You yeah. know what I mean? And so that's. I, I think it gets easier the less you're doing it with your actual hands, too. I will say, I mean, from a practical level, when you're the guy who stayed up all night making the big white horse and gold leafing it, and you come in in the morning and you cut it, it hurts it's way more <laughs> than if you're the person who put it in the model, liked it, drew it, supervised its construction, and then somebody's like, it's got to go. You're like, it's got to go, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's it's That's a different amount of true. life force. It really is. It's yeah. so. absolutely true. Yeah. Did, do you more, I mean, did that address it a little bit? Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, I think it comes uh, out of just what you're saying. I mean, certainly uh, the playwright is, you know, the play is the focus, and then as the director's vision, you know, I mean, it's sort of a basic answer, but um, yeah. the play- and it's so interesting to hear about Shakespeare and finding the truth of it and so forth. Oh, it's unbelievable. I mean, there is enormous merit to doing them in the period that they were written for. It's not going to look the way it did when, you know, in 1620 when they did it in the Jacobean time. You know, I mean, we're going to interpret that differently. But there's, you know, and there's sometimes value to Mars and sometimes not value to Mars. Right, it's yeah. very interesting to find out where, what comes from the play is yeah. always the question. What I, comes from the yeah. play? I do more plays that were written for Mars. <laughs> but I do think, I mean, the, you know, the one thing I would say is, is it's definitely, it is, you know, with a, with a new play, it is always a line between the playwright and serving the play and also finding the thing that makes the play work, which is may not always be the thing that the playwright's aware of. So it's the director is never not a massive part of that conversation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and often the way it works when you're working on a new play is you sit down with the playwright and the director and you have those early conversations. And then, you know, the playwright goes away while, you know, we figure out what we think it should look like and what that means. And then you bring it to the playwright before you bring it to anybody else and you say, does, does this look like your play? Right. And you might hear no, you know. You might hear maybe. You might hear a sort of vague sense of wonder that somebody actually made that from a thing that they wrote, yeah. you know. But that whole thing, of it's never not about the director, but of course it's about serving the play. And if the yeah. playwright is present, 
that's different than if the playwright. And sometimes you're up all night defending what you've done to the playwright, and sometimes you're throwing it out and starting over. It really depends on where you're at and who the director is and and what that relationship between them is. You know, um, I've done both recently. (laughs) (laughs) We have time for one more quick question. Does anyone else have one more quickie? I'm, in, I'm sorry. Two more. <laughs> I'm curious about the interview process. I mean, you have an initial interview. They give you the script to read. What happens after that? Do you come back with ideas? You sketch something out. You know, what's expected at that moment? Well, it depends on the depends on the process. I mean, I think it's even changed in the last ten years. It used to be I'd get a phone call and somebody would want to go to a coffee shop and we'd look through my portfolio and maybe they've sent me the script and maybe they haven't. You know. Um, but now it's always it's it's gotten much more similar. Somebody has already looked at my website uh, almost always. Um, I, I'm getting the script as a PDF and email at the same time. Somebody's asking me if I'm interested in the project. So that first meeting is often you're already running a lot of times at that first meeting uh, in a way that I don't think you were before the internet became so ubiquitous, you know what I mean? So I feel like now everyone already kind of knows about each other up to a certain point, and so that I, I don't know if I get, I don't know how many times I get called for a for maybe a job. I, I think for the most part somebody has, has vetted people and I'm down, it's down to a couple of candidates and they want to hear ideas, not so much talk about what you did the last five years. So, I mean, I think that's changed. Um, also, I'm much more interested in talking about the play you're actually thinking about doing than I am interested in talking about me, so I'm actually delighted by this turn of events. Like, yeah, look at the pictures. If you want to ask me about any particular project, if you want to flip through my paper portfolio, I guess I can find it uh, and bring it. But for the most part, it's like, it's like, oh, tell me about that show I saw it, I liked it. Or... But, but what I'd really like to talk about is what, we're, what you're doing now. And, and so I'm always excited to have read the play, um, come to the meeting with, with a few ideas. And, and I guess if we go away and you're like, nah, that wasn't it, then I, I don't, I don't, it doesn't make me cry at night or anything. I just, you move on. But um, I guess, does that answer your question? Yeah, I mean, those, that, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, those meetings where you're talking to a... Um, a director is talking to two or three designers. It only happens, um, in my experience, if you've never worked with a director before. Once you've worked with a director, yeah. then they know whether or not they think you're the right person for the job. But, yeah, that's been exactly my experience, that when I walk into those meetings, I'm not bringing my book anymore. I'm like, well, let's talk. And, you know, frequently those people have seen my work somewhere. Um, or, you know, online. They've seen the pictures or something. Yeah, so, or they saw a show you did recently or whatever. Whatever yeah. it is. And then you talk. And so it's about finding about whether or not your your personalities click. You you know, you are excited about this about the same things or by the same things in the play. Um, but it's about, it's always about the play. It's always about the play. And so it's, you know, it's, and, and sometimes you riff in those meetings. I never have a pencil in my hand in those meetings. No. Um, and it's just, it's just... Spinning, you know, just yeah. talking about stuff. And again, back to my, I'd never describe scenery thing. It's never about the design. It's about what's interesting about the play. I mean, really, that's where the conversation, what what did I think when I read it? What character was I attracted to? What, you know, I'm, I'm happy to go there. We can talk all day, you know. Um, if it's like, well, how do you think this would be staged? It's like, I'd have to work on it. I don't. I don't know. No, you know. No. I don't know. That that would be the next meeting. This could meeting is yeah. Could be anything. Yeah. What do you want to do? I don't know. Um, you know. Last one. Um, I really love listening to you guys talk about how how the ideas and the storytelling are, are such a huge part of what you do. But also, um, I it feels like a lot of times the design 
is also about the, the physical limitations of the space and of the budget and of what oh, yeah. you can get when you can get it. So what happens when you have to throw out the horse, but you don't, what do you have, you know, or are there times when you're, when you're freed or limited by uh, the parameters, whether, whatever they are? Often both are true. Often both are true. Um, you know, it, 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 that moment where, you know, now if you tell me I have $10,000 and that includes labor, um, I know what that means. And I'm going to think in that direction. And I want to know how I can use the building that, it, that I'm being handed in my favor. <laughs> because those walls are already up. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, and if... Um, you know, and if you're and if you've gone down this whole path, as recently happened on a project, and you realize, wow, we went to all of this trouble, and we actually have to gut it. All we could do was gut it. We couldn't, you know, we could like, what's in the basement? I could make a shelf out of that, you know, like that, like really and literally, I could make it and was happy to, you know, although not very well and don't put too much weight on it. I can make it, you know, and so it's like this. It's like, um, but but the but. The, I find, you know, that almost always the limitations are hugely helpful because they push... Sometimes the thing that you would do if you had all the money in the world isn't actually the most interesting thing. Um, and sometimes it would have been, and I'm so sorry we can't make that, you know? So, like, you get a little bit of both of those. But it's very exciting. I mean, you know, I love off and off, off uh, Broadway, and I've never worked on Broadway, so I don't, you know, that that whole corner of the world is a mystery to me. But, but you know, the, the particularly the, the stuff where you have severe restrictions, um, I find interesting, and I always push them. I, I will always push, and I will I will always still work hands on because I find it exciting. Yeah. Um, and you know, and if you if you if I was not interested in rolling up my sleeves, I don't know that I would enjoy those jobs so much because the budgets will get me this far, and then what are you going to do? You know, how do you want to move forward? Um, and I love that, you know, um, and I can only do so much of it. I can only afford to do so much of it, you know. But but I think that it's true that if you... Yeah, I mean, it's such a cliche, but I think, I think those limitations are challenges, and they are the things that push you in the right direction. Um, sometimes they're overwhelming challenges, but, but you can always do something. I mean... I, I always, like, first thing I see the script and somebody says, great, we're doing this, the next thing I want to know is the parameters. Um, because the worst thing is to design the wrong set for the for the space or for the budget or for, you know, whatever. So first thing I always want to know is just, just tell it to me straight, man. I mean, how much money do we have to spend? What's the theater we're in? How long do we have in, to build it, put it together? What's I mean, just tell me everything there is to know, and then I can help us make the best choices about how to use those resources so that's I mean that's very much my I think most people need to know everything you know like I I don't I definitely don't like have a phase where I dream outside of everything and then try to cram it into the theater I like to like start with the theater and then and then work from there um and I find I mean not designing myself on Broadway but working with a lot of with with great people who design on Broadway it's really the same thing I mean you always are designing within the concept of a Broadway theater and if you're not you're I mean it always comes down to eight shows a week and it always comes down to understudies have to be able to do it too and I mean the parameters don't change so you can you know and the more you push those parameters the more there's pushback and you find ways where you can push through them in some places you can't because that's the way it works you know I mean um Wicked is a tremendously uh, big production that uses standard line set configurations because that's the place you can't push it if you're going to do all the other crap. 
So, I mean, there's, you know, there's always a give and take. Like, we can rip up the risers and we can move them over there, but then we've just used our whole labor budget. So is that is that the big idea? Because that's awesome. Then we've done it. Or is it, actually, let's leave the risers here because then we can do the big idea that we have for the, you know, and, it, and sometimes one's the right answer and sometimes the other is the right answer. I'm thinking about, I'm sort of here thinking about the production managers I know who I've, with whom I've worked listening to this tape, which I'm sure they will not. But I'm <laughs> thinking about their response to me saying, I love a limitation because I really push hard against whatever yeah. the limitations are. I mean, and that's, you know, that's my job. That's my job to try and get as much as I can for what we have. And when you yeah. can't do it, when we've hit the wall, then that's his job to say, that's it. That's what you get. paint it yourself they do their job right and then you know but I mean so it's like it is that thing of like it's my job to fight for the production within reasonable parameters it's my also also my job to understand when those are reasonable parameters it's like yeah okay great we can't if you tell me no because and you've said yes on this many things and then you say you know what that's it I respect it great and I I mean I, I will only say I think you know Rachel and I have slightly different positions in our careers in that I am occasionally the person who I'm also pushing against in both scenarios. And so, uh, you know, I find that I find that the more I'm just honest with people about what our limitations are, the better all of that goes. You know, like that column, it's not moving. So how, well, let's figure out how we can best work given that that... That's right there. That's where it is. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, uh, and and there's always a million answers, but, uh, you know, there's nobody I can turn to and be like, Bob, can we remove that column? Because I'm really saying, like, Nick, can we remove that column? No. All right. So back to where we started, you know. Um, so it's a, it, you know, it goes hand in hand. When there's somebody to push against, it's it's fantastic. When there's nobody to push against, you push against yourself and, and do as much as you can possibly do with your two little hands and your two little feet. And then... And it's, you know, I mean, as ever, right, it's about respect and respect for the people you're working with on all tiers always right so it's you know my thing of you know fighting for the production is different from fighting with the production manager Mm -hmm. absolutely different right like come on we can make this happen you know give me a shovel you know whatever (laughs) but there's a whole there's a whole that that thing of respect and you know uh fundamental uh, you know, honor. You know, you're working with great people, and you're lucky to be have them have them there with you. And so, in that sense, everybody's just trying to do their job. And when people tell you they can't do it, then that's where you are. Yeah, I mean, so, what's what's terrible about Broadway, I will say, is people think they have paid you for your time, and that 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 makes some of those conversations incredibly difficult. I mean, in in uh, off and off off Broadway, people know they have not paid you for your time, <laughs> you know, which which makes which brings a level of respect there that is why so many fewer off Broadway designers get, you know, horribly fired and like because everyone knows that everyone's working much harder than we all should to make something great and because it's because we care, you know. So a good place to leave it. I just want to thank Nick and Rachel so much. Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographer Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.